Good morning, everyone. Along with Pastor Brett, I welcome you to Rivermont and invite you to open your Bibles or one of the Pew Bibles to Psalm 80. Uh, Today we begin our Advent sermon series on longing for Christ with our first sermon entitled Longing for Restoration. In the weeks ahead, we'll turn to longings for peace, longings for justice and longings for trust. With these various longings on each Sunday, we know that they come to us from God as a unified whole as we long for Jesus Christ. Turning, though, to Psalm 80, Asaph, the author, was distraught and wanted to see the Lord's face. He looked north from his vantage point in Jerusalem and saw Judah's sister state, Israel, collapse under the weight of the Assyrian Empire in the late 8th century B.C. With his prayer and plea for restoration, you can sense the shock in Jerusalem. The ten tribes of the twelve were now gone. From 734 to 722 B.C., a great wave of Assyrian aggression swept through the northern kingdom, leaving now only little Judah to the south. Once upon a time, they had their northern neighbors as their cousins, the ten tribes of Israel, and now to the north is only a new Assyrian province instead of their sister kingdom. Asaph's prayer is both humbling and interesting, for you know that since the time of the division of the kingdom, there had been great tension between the north and the south. Yet now that the northern kingdom is wiped out, thoughts of those old rivalries seem to dissipate. Now there is distress and a longing for the renewal of this family. Asaph gathered up his fears and prayer and with this reframe repeated three times in verses 3, 7 and 19. Restore us, let your face shine that we may be saved. He knew that it was good to look away from his fears and search for his heavenly father's face. We, of course, best see God's face shining by looking at the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the reading of Holy Scripture. Psalm 80 to the choir master, according to lilies, a testimony of Asaph, a song. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to stay to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine, that we may be saved. O Lord of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls? So that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit. The boar from the forest ravages it. And all that move in the field feed on it. 
Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you have made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand. The Son of Man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Let us pray. Dear Father, this is your word for our hearts. As we sometimes see and experience the effects of trials, of persecution, of temptation, and of sin. Would you encourage us to pray your word for the good of your people and the glory of your name? Comfort us with this, your word. Help us to be faithful, even as the saints who first sang and prayed this prayer in worship some 2,700 years ago. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, today there are many people around us. There are many among us that long for restoration, for a restoration of heart and soul. This is the theme of Psalm 80 rooted in this threefold chorus. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. Today in this room, most of you will be able to identify with some aspect of this lament. For some in this room, you identify with Asaph, with concerns for loved ones who are not walking with Christ. In fact, they may be dealing with the consequences of sin and judgment. And along with Asaph, you may be tempted to bristle that they are reaping exactly what they have sown. Yet you have a compassion that swells up within you that allows you to empathize with the plight of your extended family. For another group, you realize that you've been set free from the bondage of sin and struggle. You rest in the goodness of God with freedom. You know that you're safe, yet safe only in the love of a sovereign God. Your prayers and pleas for the distressed are consistent. You remain hopeful for what only God can do to give mercy in Jesus Christ to set others free. For others this morning... You may be in the place experiencing tears and hardship, perhaps because of the sinfulness of your own decisions. For you, the hope comes in the final few verses as we all long for the Son of Man to deliver. Whatever group you best identify, this psalm addresses all of us as it teaches us to pray, longing for resurrection or restoration. And we begin with pleas to the sovereign shepherd. This we see in verses 1 to 6. As Asaph calls on God to hear his prayer, he addresses the Lord as shepherd, as Israel's shepherd, who led Joseph like a flock. This shepherd is sovereign. You see this as Asaph prays, you who are enthroned above the cherubim shine forth. The cherubim, you remember, are the guardians of holiness. They are God's agents of judgment and rule. Asaph calls upon God to shine forth, to manifest himself on behalf of his people. And you may ask, for whom? Well, specifically, for Ephraim 
and Benjamin and Manasseh. This is shorthand for the northern kingdom. You may ask, well, what do Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh have in common? Well, these are respectively the children, or rather the son and grandsons, of Rachel. Rachel who longed to give children to her husband Jacob. Rachel who was losing the fertility contest to her sister Leah. Rachel who bore Joseph and then died bearing Benjamin. These are Rachel's children. These are Rachel's tribe's children that were exceedingly precious to Jacob who became Israel himself by name. Asaph knew that God would remember the preciousness of these children to Israel. And even more than that, Asaph knew that Israel's exceeding great love for Joseph and for Benjamin was just a pale reflection of the exceeding preciousness to God of His own children. So we ask that God would manifest His strength, His sovereignty, His power in order to save Rachel's tribe. And yet, there is another question here. How does this sovereign shepherd lead his flock? And of course, I think of the words of King David in the 23rd Psalm that the shepherd leaves the sheep to green pastures. He provides nourishment and gives them everything they need to grow and be healthy. He leads them to their nourishing field and allows them to eat. Yet the sovereign shepherd in Psalm 80 led Israel to a particular green pasture. The pasture was green with tears and strife. That was where the shepherd led them. He led them there because that is what they needed to eat. It might not have been appetizing or appealing. It must not have been what they wanted to eat. But it was what they needed to help turn them back to the Lord. It was the nutrition that they needed at the time. And one more thing in this plea to this sovereign shepherd in these first seven verses. Note again the reframe of prayer in verse 3 and in verse 7. Restore us, O God. Let Your face shine that we may be saved. Asaph is going back to Aaron's benediction in Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. You see, we cry out for God to show His face, that His face would shine upon us, that His love and power would bless His people with wholeness and well-being. Asaph knows that if God will shine His face... His people will be saved. Friends, if you're going through difficult circumstances, if your loved ones are experiencing the tears of strife as Israel did, will you long and pray for restoration in Jesus that you may return to Him, that His face may shine through you to bring salvation to many through the circumstances of your life, to show that He is your hope and your salvation in all circumstances. And of course, we remember the Gospel of John chapter 10, where Jesus describes Himself as a door for the sheep and the Good Shepherd that lays down His life for the sheep, that His sheep might have life and they might have it to its fullest. The hope that we have in Jesus, the Good Shepherd, is life. 
The hope in Jesus, the good shepherd, is abundant life. So long for restoration in our Savior with your pleas to the sovereign shepherd before us. And secondly, though, long for restoration with pleas to the merciful vine dresser. This we see in verses 8 to 16. There is hope in this vine dresser. Beginning in verse 8, Asaph's pleas turn to God based on his purposes for his people, for Israel, spoken of here as a vine. Asaph cries out to this merciful vine dresser to have mercy on the vine that he has created. You know, when I was growing up in Sanford, North Carolina, my grandfather maintained a two-acre garden that had a grape arbor with a trellis at the garden's interests. My grandfather was a man of patience, a man of few words. Patience, though, was required to produce a fruitful vine and vegetables in this two-acre garden. Over time, my grandfather came to know that the soil and climate in central North Carolina, they were perfect for scuppernon grapes to thrive. I just recently learned that the scuppernon grape is the state fruit of North Carolina. And granddad built a support structure, the trellis, knowing that the vine would not be strong enough to support itself and also bear much fruit. So my grandfather planned the structure so that the fruit could naturally hang suspended in full view without restriction. We could walk under the trellis and pick the grape when it was ready to be harvested. It sounds perfect. A well-chosen vine, perfect soil, and a perfectly designed and constructed arbor. Was my grandfather done? No. There are all one-time investments that he had made, but year after year he would have to tend it. So he would invite the grandkids, myself and my cousins, out to prune it. And we would weed it and we would fertilize. We would water it. We would tend it and care for it and keep destructive pests away from it. Then and only then would the vine thrive and produce the kind of fruit that we were all looking for. Do you see all the planning that the vine dresser makes, all the care that's involved, all the preparation that takes place before one grape is produced? The vine dresser has a plan. This is the illustration that the psalmist Asaph uses here in this prayer. He lets us know that God knows what He is doing. He has had a plan from eternity past for His vineyard. His plan involved calling the vine up out of nothing. He called His vine up out of Ur of the Chaldees, sent it to Egypt as a sprout to grow into a vine worthy of planting. Then he chose good soil in the promised land of Israel to plant it. And then he laid out the structure of the history of Israel. And here's the good news that we know 2,000 years this side of the Lord's first advent. That God the vine dresser laid out the structure of the birth, the life, the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and for our salvation. He laid out the structure of sending the Holy Spirit and the establishment of the church. He laid out the structure of the second coming, the next advent of the Lord. God laid out all 
that structure from before the beginning of time. He had a plan from the first choosing of his vine to the nourishing and sustaining of it to its final pruning. God has a plan and he will fulfill his plan. All for the purpose of growing a people that's you and me as sweet fruits. Know this, dear people of God. That whatever is going on in your life, know that all is part of what God is eternally doing. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Nothing is an accident in His economy. He chose you from from before the foundation of the world. He chose the place to plant you from before the foundation of all time. He has given you a structure to turn you. Him to Himself. He's giving you Jesus Christ, His Word. He's giving you His church. He has given you even the Holy Spirit. He has caused His face to shine on you in order that you might be the fruit that He has called you to be and for you to continue to be in prayer. And yet, God's vineyard rebelled in Israel. They suffered God's judgment. Their only hope is in this merciful vine dresser. And when you come to verse 12, Asaph asks the question, why? Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruits? At one level, the sovereign shepherd and vine dresser answers, I'm judging their sin. I'm punishing them for their disobedience. That answer echoes to the prophets. You'll hear it from Amos. You'll hear it from Isaiah. You'll hear it from Jeremiah. At one level, the answer is, I'm judging them for their sin. Yet, my friends, something else is really striking Ultimately, God's answer is because He has determined that Israel, His vine, would foreshadow the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. Israel is not the ultimate reality, just the foreshadowing. The eternal reality is Jesus. There would be a night on the eve of the death of Jesus that He would stand before His disciples and say, I am the vine, you are the branches. And this psalmist could not have possibly understood the fullness of that when he cries out with every fiber of his being, Why are you doing what you're doing, Lord God? God has a very good answer. And God does not tell Asaph, though, what that answer is. We have the privilege of looking back and seeing the glory of God's design that Israel would foreshadow the great work of God in the world. That Jesus as a true vine would never ever fail you and me for He would be sinless and go to the cross and die for the forgiveness of our sins. So longing for restoration? Your hope is in the sovereign shepherd. Your hope is in the merciful vine dresser. Your hope is, 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 is in His face shining upon your life. Your hope is in salvation provided by Jesus Christ, His death upon the cross as you repent of your sin and as you trust in Him for your salvation. 
So long for resurrection with pleas to this sovereign shepherd, with pleas to this merciful vine dresser, and finally with pleas for the gracious Son of Man. This we see in verses 17 to 19. Now notice how verse 17 begins as Asaph pours out his heart to God, asking God to hear his pleas for God's faithfulness and compassion. He prays for Israel and he uses language that you will find back in Jacob's blessing of Joseph in Jesus in Genesis 49. He says he prays, lift up your hand Be on the man of your right hand. That is what the name Benjamin means. Son of my right hand. Now you have to dig a little. But Rachel in her last breath before she died, this is back in Genesis 35, named her son Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. Son of my suffering. And Jacob said, no, no, his name will not be Benoni. It will be Benjamin, son of my right hand. And Asaph continues to pray and it becomes a corporate prayer of Judah. Let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Asaph is praying for God's hand, a blessing and favor to be upon these northern tribes, typified in Rachel's tribes, especially in Joseph. Asaph, though, did not realize that he was praying for more than he knew. For the suffering of the tribes of Israel would just be a foreshadowing of the suffering of the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not understand it, but he at that very moment was lifting up prayers that God's hand would be on the man of his right hand, the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of his right hand. He did not realize that the sufferings of Israel were but a foreshadowing of the Messiah on our behalf, that the way of glory was going to be the way of the cross, that the way of victory was going to be the way of suffering, and that it was going to be realized in one man, the son of God's right hand, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. So he is crying out to God, leading God's people in Jerusalem. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. He repeats it two more times. Let your face shine that we may be saved. It's the earnest plea for the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation that is only possible because of a Savior. And that Savior came as God in the flesh. A Savior that was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. A Savior that grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. A Savior who experienced every feeling and every temptation that you and I experience and even more. A Savior who passed all the tests of holiness And lived a perfect, sinless life. A Savior who willingly went to the cross, who suffered shame, who bore our sins in His body on the tree, and who paid the price of our redemption by shedding His blood on the tree. 
a Savior who rose again on the third day, victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave, and a Savior that today sits at the right hand of the Father, continually making intercession for His children. Are you longing for Christ? Longing for restoration? Here's where we close on this first Sunday in Advent. Have you called on His name? Have you... Has your hope been fulfilled in Christ? Have you placed your trust in Jesus, your shepherd for your salvation? Have you placed your faith in Jesus, the true vine of God, provided by the merciful vine dresser? Have you placed your hope in Jesus, your Savior? There is hope in no other. Find your hope in Him. Long for Christ. Long for restoration. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this psalm of lament that teaches us to pray with longing for restoration through Jesus Christ our Lord. May we pray it with faith when the time comes that we must pray it. And Father, please satisfy our longing as we rest in Jesus. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.